Welcome to New Valley Conversations, a podcast of New Valley Church, a gospel-centered church in the Shenandoah Valley. We desire to have conversations that lead to gospel transformation in all of life. Welcome to our conversation. Danny Pierce, the family pastor at New Valley Church. KJ is not going to be with us this week, but luckily we have with us today, Chris Lassiter. How are you, Chris? Danny, I'm great. And um, I hope you are well as well. It's kind of providential that some of the questions we're discussing are questions that probably would have been aimed toward you anyway. And so since we're going to deal a lot with family issues today, what does it mean to be the family pastor at New Valley Church? Yeah, Chris, I'm, I'm actually really excited about the questions today. And just my role at, at New Valley Church and being the family pastor there is when we think about the idea of a pastor, we really think about that idea of equipping people for the work of ministry. And we see that in, in Ephesians 4.12. Well, when we talk about a family pastor— It's just a more um, designated idea, equipping families to disciple their children. Um, So, of course, uh, you know, I wear a lot of hats in a lot of different ways, but um, primarily that's really where my heart lies. I want to see parents um, be equipped to have resources so that even me as my as I'm a parent, I need resources and I need to be equipped as well. So that we can disciple our children and, and raise them up in the way they should go. We hear that we see that in Proverbs. And when they're older, they're not going to depart from it. Um, so we want to see the family flourish in this way. We want to see families honor God together. We want to see families live on mission all for the sake of the gospel. So when we talk about a, a family pastor in a church, that's the main emphasis. We want to see families equipped for the sake of the gospel. Why does God care about and use the family for discipleship purposes? Yeah. So the, well, I'll go ahead and start with this, Chris. Um, let's just, again, just, I want to remind everybody that when we're talking about discipleship and, and a disciple, I just want to be clear that a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So here we have this command to follow Jesus. And later we see, Jesus telling us to to count the cost of discipleship and how we are to be attached to him as the vine. And we see all of this in in our walk. And what it means is that we want to follow Jesus and discipleship. So when we talk about family discipleship, we just want to start with even God's plan for the family. So from the beginning, from Genesis 1, we see God having this plan in creating everything. And in Genesis 2, we see God bringing together the family as well. And we have God ordaining the family as the institution of human society. So this is like the backbone of society is built on the family. So God definitely cares about family discipleship because he's ordained it. He's ordained the family and he wants the family to flourish and he wants the family to honor him um, as we all do, because we know that God's ways are not our ways. So we want to to seek his ways. We want to seek to understand him. And as we do, we don't rely on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we acknowledge him and he makes our path straight. So as the family works together, we use our God-given abilities for 
for God's good pleasure, for the things that he's called us to do. And when we do that, we actually reflect God's love through our actions and people come to know that we're Christians and they see us flourishing as we're seeking to honor God. And we get to live on mission and point people to Jesus in every area of life. So we even see in Ephesians 5, where Paul, he compares and he contrasts um, a husband and a wife with Christ in the church. And he says that um, this picture is about a husband loving his wife in a sacrificial way, just as Christ gave himself up for the church. So this picture is beautiful because we think about how much Christ loves the church. He sacrificed for the church and he's saying, hey, the family is a picture of the church. At the foundational level, the family is where discipleship happens. As that, as families grow together, then we are able to go out and to reach people with the gospel, coming alongside other families in the church and working together as the body of Christ. So in the New Testament, we see often examples of people using their homes as places of worship. Um, And we can still do that. Danny, what does it look like for us to use our homes to the glory of God now in this process? Yeah, the home is is a place that we have a great opportunity to make that happen. And we see that in Acts 2, 42 through 47, where the church is coming together, they're gathering at homes, they're praying for each other, they're giving to each other as any has need. And we see this, this beautiful picture of being in the hands and the feet of Jesus, of fellowshipping together. And actually, we see even the gospel going forward, and we see people being saved in that time. Um, so when we think about it for, for our context, um, KJ actually alluded to this um, a little bit about one of the potential pitfalls in his sermon this Sunday. And he was talking about how the um, the garage and how houses more and more nowadays have garages built into them and how people will actually drive their car straight into their garage, close the garage door. And what what can be used for God's glory in the home is actually sometimes hindered by our our ability to just drive in and not see anybody. So he was talking about kind of this idea of our individualism and how we just want to keep to ourselves sometimes. And, you know, I, I might be the the greatest um, culprit of this very issue because I, I myself do have a garage and I know my neighbor will be out there mowing the grass one day and I'll pull straight into the garage and never even say hi to him. So I have to even be careful of that myself because my home and, and even the neighborhood that I live in can be used for God-glorifying purposes. So when we when it comes to individualism, I think sometimes we try to say, oh no, I don't struggle with that. But I just want to give one example of even how we come to, to the Bible and we will sometimes um, read into the Bible an individualistic perspective. And a classic example of this is in 1 Corinthians, where Paul says, your body is a temple. And people immediately jump to the conclusions of, oh, well, I, I shouldn't have that cheeseburger because my body's a temple. I shouldn't smoke cigarettes because my body's a temple. Or they they try to apply it to all different situations. But the the you, your body is a temple, that's actually a, a plural idea. idea. So your there is plural. Your body is a temple is Paul telling the Corinthians, hey, the body here, the the united people at work here is, is the temple of God collectively. 
So when one part of the body is hindered, when there's that one person that's out of step with the body, the body isn't functioning as, as best it can. And so when we even think about that and us wanting to be the body of Christ, we have to think about that collectively and we can use our home in that way when we fight against those individualistic tendencies. So just being intentional and using our home for the purposes of God's glory can um, show itself in, in the practical things that we do, like having dinner with people, being intentional and inviting people into our home. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, I know that that maybe a tendency that I have is, hey, I want to get my house looking perfect before somebody comes over. But the reality is um, me and my wife and, and the fact that we have three kids means that sometimes our house is a little messy. And we, we want to be sure not to um, offend anybody with our messiness. But hey, if there's a, a clothes basket with some dirty clothes in it that we're in the middle of washing or my wife's brought up a, a clean laundry basket and she's about to fold those clothes and they might be sitting in the living room. Like, I think we just have to have an understanding there and, and say, hey, in the midst of our daily lives, we can still be intentional about using our home at whatever stage of life we're in. We can always use our home to gather with people, build relationships with people, get to know people, and in different ways. I mentioned dinner, but maybe you're listening to this right now and you're a big fan of, of game night. We'll do a game night with people in your church and, and have them gather together around the table where we get to, to just be in relationship with God's people and we get to just grow in knowledge of Christ together. Yeah, there's an excellent book on this topic called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And um, it's great at giving a theology behind it, an overview of what it looks like. Um, I'd, rec- I'd recommend that book. So you're doing a great job with these questions today. You might get KJ spot full time here, uh, Daddy, on the podcast. KJ, we're just teasing because we love you, bro. Um, but again, as the family pastor, um, what are some intentional steps parents can take towards discipling their children? Yeah, before I jump into that question, Chris, I, I will agree with you about that book. Um, the gospel comes with a house key. Um, that is by Rose. I, I might say her name wrong, but I think it's Rosaria Butterfield, and that is an excellent book on on exactly what we're talking about. So that is a great resource. Um, so the question that you you proposed um, is about taking steps in discipling our children, and um, my. My thought is is just going back to Deuteronomy 6, and this is one of those verses, the just a, a section of scripture that's really shaped me in the way that I've tried to be intentional about discipling my kids. And what we see in Deuteronomy 6 is this, this command where Moses is writing here, and he's, he's giving a, a call to the people, and he's telling the people, hey, we're about to enter the promised land. So take take a, take our, our minds back to, to Moses here in Deuteronomy. He's saying, we're about to go into the promised land, but he wants to give this reminder to the people. Hey, the promised land is going to come with temptations and it's going to come with things that may drive you away from the God that you know and you love. And I think that's just a reality for all of us in our lives. There are things that can distract us from the mission that God has for us. So the first thing that Moses says in Deuteronomy as he begins to um, prepare their minds is he says in verse um, four, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
And then in verse five, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So as parents, we need to start there. We need to start with our relationship with the Father. We need to start with loving God with all of our heart, and with all of our soul. And as we do, as we seek him, he transforms our hearts. And then we pour that into our children. Um, We don't want to just pour shallow philosophies of the world into our children, but we want to pour biblical truth into our children. So that happens at the foot of the cross. As we come before God, as we read his word, as we repent of our sins, then we are in a great spot to be able to do that to our children. We model discipleship for them. So even as I say, we come to the foot of the cross and repent of our sins, we teach our children how to repent in those moments when they see us doing that, which is important. Um, I know that some families, they can go their whole life and their children have never seen a husband and a wife maybe apologize to each other. They've never seen their parents try to seek reconciliation in a broken relationship. And the fact of the matter is that we're all sinners. We all fall short in areas. And when you have a a home and a, a group of sinners that live together, things do tend to get messy. So we need to model forgiveness. We need to model repentance. We need to model even just running to the scriptures and running to each other and encouraging each other and all of those things that we would associate with with discipleship and growing in our Christ-likeness. Um, and as Moses talks about this, he says that as parents love the Lord their God with all their heart, in verse 7, he says that those things that we learn from God, we should teach them diligently to our children. He says that when we talk, when we sit in our house, when we walk by the way, when we lie down and when we rise. So here we have this idea of every moment of every day, as we're seeking to worship God in our lives, we want to to have those conversations with our kids. We want to be pointing them to, to Christ in all areas. So maybe it's like just the other day, we walked outside and um, my, my three-year-old said, oh, look, the moon, the moon. And I just asked her, who created the moon? She's like, God did. And it's like just, just those little reminders as we begin to teach our children. And that happens on different levels. And Moses in Deuteronomy 6, he gets at this later in that chapter in verse 20. He says, when your son asks you in a time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statues and the rules that God has commanded you? So Moses is given this idea, like as, as our children grow up and as they begin asking these different questions on their cognitive levels, we're able to answer them in different ways. And the thing is, our children are asking those questions at every age level. So we have to be prepared to give them an answer. And Chris, if you can't tell already, I, I'm very passionate about this idea. Um, so I'm sorry if I'm just going on and on, but I, I love talking about this because I want to see families flourish. and. And just that's my heart for my own family. So as as I seek to make disciples of my family, I hope that families are doing this together because we want to reach the next generation. We want to see the next generation multiply. And that brings me to just my last point on this question about um, parents taking intentional steps and discipling their children. At the beginning of the chapter, Moses actually says that as they prepare to enter the promised land, he wants it to go well with the people of Israel. He wants them to multiply greatly. And sure, he's talking about physically, and that's a a great thing to happen in a family is when they multiply physically. 
But we also know that when we're discipling our children, there's also spiritual multiplication that happens through our families and through others that we come in contact with. So when we disciple our families, we actually get the great opportunity to be missional in our approach, and we will see other people come to Christ as a result of that. When we're pointing people to the scriptures, the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross, people will come to know him and see him for who he is. And that is just something to get excited about. Yeah, Danny, I might be able to tell that you're a little excited about this topic, Um, but that's good. And we should be excited about the word of God. And I think God, even in that excitement for him, burdens our hearts for specific things and specific callings. And I think Ephesians 2.10 would back me up there, uh, that we're created for good works. And so that passion that comes out of you and wanting to see families flourish is a great thing. Let's close on this one today. And KJ, we miss you. We hope you're uh, doing all right. And we'll see you again. Um, This is me signing off, but we'll leave it with you, Danny. What are the individual considerations for using our home for the sake of the gospel? Yeah, Chris, um, I, I like the way that we're, we're thinking about this and we, we we're asking individual considerations um, because that's important to note. Um, no matter where you are, we've talked about a little bit about the family today, but you may be that, that single guy, that single girl living in an apartment. You may be a newly married couple. You may have kids or you may be an empty nester. I don't know where you are. But we all have a a role to play, and we all have the potential to use our home for the sake of the gospel. And we actually even see this in in the practice of hospitality, a a forgotten practice um, that we often overlook is just the practice of hospitality. And I think sometimes our mind immediately goes to, um, maybe for me as a man, I, I may just struggle with this, I don't know, but maybe for you too, you're hearing hospitality and you're like, oh, well. I'm a single guy right now, or I'm a guy and I have a family and my wife focuses on hospitality. But I actually want to say something about that. We see two times in scripture that um, Paul is talking to Timothy and Titus, and he talks about hospitality, and he's actually talking about it in reference to men. He says that men should be hospitable, which is just interesting because I think sometimes we're like, oh, that's for our wives. Well, no, that's for all of us. As we're maturing Christians, hospitality is something that we should be known for. Um, It's something that, I mean, we just see it modeled in Jesus himself. Um, Going and and seeking and serving and, um, man, we just see that picture of hospitality practiced. And we we ourselves want to practice hospitality. So when we think about using our home for the sake of the gospel, it's about opening those doors, about being hospitable, about inviting people in. And we have to remember too, when we invite people in for the the sake of the gospel and for the glory of God, we can't just expect people to come in and be perfect. And that's just a, a issue that sometimes I think we dwell on. Oh, well, their their life's a little messy. Well, yeah, but so is yours. <laughs> so is mine. Let's be honest. I don't have it all together. Uh, maybe you do, and, and that's okay. Um but I know that as I grow in my walk with God, there's things that that people um, see in me that I have tendencies to do. So we even think about how just Jesus, that, that hospitable um, aspect of his life, we see that he eats with, with sinners and tax collectors. He's having meals with his disciples. He's always going into people's houses. 
we even see Nicodemus getting saved as um, Jesus uh, has a conversation with him, or we see, um, oh, I don't know. There's just so many examples, but we can use our, our hospitable nature in order to glorify God. Um, and we have to realize that if we just say, oh, people's lives are messy, we don't want them at the table. Well, we'd have to be saying that about ourselves too. We'd have to uninvite ourselves to the table because our lives are messy. We're sinners and we need God's grace. And I think that that as we end today, just thinking about that idea of giving grace to people, meeting people where they are. We see in Philippians, Paul says that we should count the interest of other people as more important than our own interest. We shouldn't get caught up in our preferences or our our different um, likes that we have in our house or the different things that may drive us away from being missional in our emphasis and our approach to discipleship. But we should be willing to open our home for the sake of the gospel, knowing that people are, are messy sometimes and that's okay. We're messy sometimes and that's okay. We have a unifying factor in Jesus Christ. The fact is that he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to redeem our lives. And without the gospel transforming our lives, we are we have a foundation built on nothing. So we just want to rest in the the gracious gift of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Um, and maybe as as we've been talking today, you've been you've been considering these things in your mind. I just want to point out a few ways that you could connect with New Valley Church. You can find us on Facebook at New Valley Church VA. You can go to our website, newvalleychurch.com, or you can even email us at info at newvalleychurch.com. And those are ways that you would be able to connect with us. We would love to, to hear from you, and we hope that today this conversation has been encouraging for you. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. See you again next week.